I had a choice to make. A decision was before me. It was not an easy one. And in my mind's eye, I can still see the place where I was standing. It was one of my early, early morning walks. I had finished my course of study at Union College, had left uh, my job two years prior, and was ready to graduate. And I had a job opportunity that was presented to me with the uh, Kansas-Nebraska Conference. And then another choice came in that I could go with uh, the Missouri Conference, which was our home conference. But the decision I had to make was between these two. And I knew, I knew where God was calling me. I knew that it was to this small congregation in Beatrice, Nebraska, just south of Lincoln. I knew that it was a very troubled congregation. I knew that they had had a real catastrophe there and that it was a very broken group. And I remember standing beneath that full moon with turmoil going on inside of me. You know how it gets when, when you have a tough decision to make and, you're, and you're, you're desperately trying to look for something else that might change or influence your decision. And you, you have some confusion, perhaps, or some indecision that, that is still plaguing you, but you know in your heart of hearts where you're supposed to go. And I remember standing beneath that full moon, and I prayed out loud. I said, Lord, I am yours. If that's where you want me to go, I'll go. And it was trouble. <laughs> it was trouble. But the experiences that came out of that time were life-changing. And we still have friends in that congregation. I think of Joshua. Joshua had a decision to make. He, he was one of those faithful spies and one of two that still lived. They had wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Joshua and Caleb were the only two that were left out of those original 12 that went to spy in Canaan and saw that the land was beautiful and good. And 10 of the dissenting votes said, we're like grasshoppers before them. And Joshua and Caleb were faithful and said, we, we know our God. It is a goodly land and we may possess it. But they were shouted down by the crowd and by the fear. And so they wandered in the wilderness behind Moses for 40 years. Now, Moses was gone. He had seen that great vision on Mount Nebo. He saw from all the way from north to south, the promised land, but he himself would not cross into it. It was up to Joshua. Joshua knew the troublesome people. He had seen the descent. He had seen the disloyalty. He had seen God's miracles all along the way. And yet, now he was to be the tip of the spear. He was to be the one that would lead them into the promised land. 
And you can imagine the turmoil that was within him. Because all of us, like Joshua, know our human failings. We know the troubles that we've seen. We know what the risks are. We know that it's not going to be easy. And yet, as I once said, making the right decision is not necessarily the easy one. And so Joshua has a visitation from God. And there are some really incredible principles that God lays out that have application for us today. Because if it was just a historical view of Joshua, hey, what would that mean for us? But there's great lessons for us because, let's face it, we live in a world of turmoil where we have to make decisions every single day. And those small decisions lead to the big decisions. And under God's leadership, we need to learn these principles that Joshua experienced. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 6, we read these words. God says three times this repeated phrase, Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. The time had come for Joshua to lead them. But look what God's saying. Be strong and courageous. You see, our courage is fleeting. Our strength is inadequate. But God is calling him to be strong and courageous in God's strength. It's, it's a relationship that Joshua has developed over time. He has come to know God. He has come to trust God. And now he is called to be strong and courageous because the objective is, I'm going to lead these people into the promised land. God has given him this promise. God has given him this charge. This, this objective to lead these people this ragtag band of grumbling Israelites. Well, you say, okay, so that's Joshua. But I want to share something really precious with you. It's, a, it's a, um, something from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. The Apostle Paul, inspired by God, has come to a whole new revelation, a whole new view of life as he has met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he, he gives this message to us today because this is what makes the Word of God eternal and applicable in everyone's life. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, we are God's masterpiece. And I want to pause there. Um, in other versions, it says, we are God's workmanship, but I love that the New Living Translation says we are God's masterpiece. I mean, can you, can you just begin to wrap your head around the whole idea that we are a part of God's creation. We are His masterpiece. Now, sometimes we don't feel like a masterpiece. I dare say there are days, there are weeks where we do not feel like God's masterpiece. But He says we are. And so we are. As broken as we might be, we are God's masterpiece. He loves us. He loves you. He loves me. 
And he is, he is personally involved in our life. And look, look at what comes next. I mean, talk about mind-boggling. He has created, created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And this sense of long ago is before we were conceived in our mother's womb. This is that God has planned for your life and he has good deeds for each and every one of us to accomplish. And he is personally invested in helping us come to that place so that our life is an adventure. Now, when I was young, I had no idea what an adventure would li life would be by the time I am at this age and what is yet to come. I look back at my life and my life is a miracle. As we follow God, as we, <laughs> and, and, and trust me, this is like um, a journey that looks like sawtooth uh, up and down. But I, I can tell you that God has been so faithful in my life. And I know that we have a gathering of people who are a product of God's tender, personal, loving care. And he planned these things for us. So Joshua's, Joshua's position certainly is far more lofty than anything we would ever dream of in terms of leading people into the promised land. And yet, God has something that's shaped just for you. He wants you to experience life as you've never experienced it before. And many of you know what I'm talking about. I mean, you can look back and see how God's led in your life. And his overall promise, uh, my plans are to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And I love that couplet. You know, you can't have hope without a future, and you can't have a future without hope. <laughs> I love that. Those are inseparable. So here we go into a, a little discussion time. What mission do you believe God has placed before you? What mission do you believe God has placed before you? Gather around your tables. We're going to take about five minutes and, uh, and just encourage you to share what, uh, what God's put on your heart. Okay, I'd like to encourage you to just kind of wrap up. I'm enjoying hearing the buzz in the room. I'm often reminded of God being able to hear each and every individual conversation that's going on. It's like the world, right? All right. So the second... Be strong and courageous that I want to look at is actually the third one. I want to leave the middle one for last. Joshua 1.9, we've already learned that the objective was to take the children of Israel into the promised land. But Joshua 1.9 says, this is my command, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Here's this promise that the Lord God is with him wherever he goes. But look at two words in particular. 
Do not be afraid or discouraged. Fear and discouragement are the twin towers of our enemy that are placed before us when we know what the objective is, we know what the calling is. Fear and discouragement are the greatest implements that our enemy uses to paralyze us and freeze us from going forward. Ah, how many missed opportunities we have had because of fear and discouragement that has taken control of us. I've tried this so many times, I just can't even try again. I, I just am no good. I'm no good. You know, we get those voices in our head. Or, what will people say if I do this? What are they going to think of me? Are, are, are people going to get angry with me? And so on and so on. Uh, am I going to get hurt? because of something that I do or say, even though I know this is where God is calling me to go? Fear and discouragement are huge, huge weapons in our enemy's arsenal. But remember, God says, perfect love casts out all fear. What Joshua is being encouraged about is that God is with him through this. And I dare say that many of you have come up against one of those times and you take one more step through that curtain of fear and discouragement and all of a sudden you see your God at work. And that's, that's something that I really appreciate. One of the things that we have in James chapter 4, verse 7, very strong verse, it says, so humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, oftentimes in pe in people, when people talk about spiritual warfare, they, they personally say, I rebuke you, Satan, but you are on unstable ground because Satan is a studier of people much smarter than we are and much more um, sly and able to deceive us. The, the truth is that the way we resist the devil is we submit ourselves to God. We turn to God because we can get fixated on our fear and, and our discouragement and, and we, we try to do something against that and against the devil, work harder, work longer, whatever. But the truth is that when we turn to God when we submit to God, when we look away from our problem and look to Him, we are, in effect, resisting the devil. Because God has already defeated him in Jesus Christ. He is a defeated foe. He has no standing before our mighty Creator God. And so, when we turn, when we turn to God, the devil will flee because He's going to go someplace else. He's like electricity. He, he goes on the path of least resistance. He's going to go after somebody else. We resist the devil by turning to God. So often we, we look at ourselves as the resource. I'll work harder. I'll work longer. I'll, somehow I'll get this done. But the truth is that the work is done in stepping through the curtain of fear and discouragement by turning to our God. 
And, and one of the things we can do is look to God in our past. If He's been faithful in our past, we can know He's going to be faithful in our present, and He will continue to be faithful in our future. That's the whole art of living life as a follower of Jesus. Look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So our next discussion is when have you faced fear or discouragement that has paralyzed you? And then as a follow-up, how did you manage it? Go ahead, this is a sharing time again. We'll take about five minutes. I see we've got a counter up here. I dare say that this, this is a question that exploits a little more vulnerability in us. This is kind of a tough, a tough question, talking about fear or discouragement. But it's something that, um, that is a life skill that we can get better and better at doing that because the reward of following God is such a good one. Well, I saved the middle be strong and courageous, because it is the most critical, and it was put in the middle purposely um, by the writer. And it's in verse 7, it says, be strong and very courageous. I added an emphasis there. This one is the one that God wanted to emphasize was most important. And it says, be strong and very courageous, because this oftentimes is the one that we neglect the most. When we are facing that obstacle of fear and discouragement, this is the place where God wants us to be involved. He wants us to be strong and very courageous to turn to him, like we talked about in that passage from James. He says, be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful wherever you go. But that's not all. He says, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. All right, so the legalists among us look at this as a task. But actually, what it's, an, it's an invitation for a blessing. You see, there's a principle involved that when we behold, we are changed. When we take time in times of peace or in times of struggle to... Visit God in his word, the living word. When we take time to experience God's presence working in us and through us, we are becoming more and more like Jesus. Um, a pastor friend of mine once said, in staying in the radical center. You see, because we can be drawn off to the right or we can be drawn off to the left, but with Jesus, there is a radical center 
where we stay centered in that relationship with God. This is an invitation not to gain knowledge, although that's part of it, but there's more. It's gaining a relationship with the God of the universe who planned for your life and knows you by name and cares about you as an individual. It's the God who wants you to succeed wherever you go. It's a, he's a God who wants you to overcome fear and discouragement. He's a God who wants to give you blessings beyond your wild imagine, wildest imagination. He is a God who wants you to experience deliverance when there seems to be no other way. I, I tell you this because it is true. And so, discussing this, what is something you do to keep Jesus in the center of your life? Let's take five minutes for that. This is a good practical sharing time to talk with one another about how you experience Jesus, how you can be intentional about making him, putting him at the center of your life. Five minutes. So Joshua, toward the end of his life, after God had performed many miracles, there were many teachable moments where there were some notable failures, Joshua, at the end of his life, stood and gathered all the people together. Gathered all the people together who had seen God's mighty works. They had seen the people of the land vanquished, and here they had this promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of great promise. They had seen all of the miracles of God, but Joshua had an awareness. He had an awareness of human nature. He lifted up before the people this incredible challenge. He says, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors uh, that your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates back in Egypt, the sun gods? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? He lays out before them a choice, a choice that takes courage intention, purpose, in order to stay in that radical center. And it is not unlike the challenge we face today. Folks, there are a lot of shiny objects out there, a lot of things that distract us, a lot of, a lot of gods with a small g. They are present in our world today. And the only way we stay in that radical center is to be intentional with our lives as to where we put our highest priority, loyalty, and love. And so these very often repeated words, but as for me and my family, 
we will serve the Lord. You know, uh, this is Father's Day weekend, and dads, I want to give you a special charge, because you have a great opportunity. You oftentimes feel like your influence is very small in this world, but in your family, it still matters. It matters to be one of integrity, of faithfulness, of love, of nurture, of correction sometimes. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Out of one of the darkest periods of our nation's history, a period of slavery that was a blight on our nation, out of great suffering and injustice came songs. And the one I want to share with you today came to us and has lived through the ages. And it goes this way. In the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You may have all this world. Give me Jesus. Dark midnight was my cry. Dark midnight was my cry. Dark midnight was my cry. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You may have all this world. But give me Jesus. And when I come to die, oh, when I come to die, oh, when I come to die, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Sing along. Give me Jesus, you may have all this world. Give me Jesus. My friends, my brothers and sisters, know this, Jesus loves you. And he did everything necessary and more to give you a life that leads into eternity. He came to do battle with sin and death because he said you are worth it. He calls us through Joshua's message, through his life, to serve him, to be strong and very courageous to learn of him, to experience him, to follow him.
That is our charge today. May God bless you, each and every one, on your journey following Jesus. And all the people said, Amen. Amen.